Good morning, my name is Felicity, if we haven't met. I'm going to read the sermon passage for us, which is Psalm 19. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Felicity, for reading for us. Uh, my name is Peter Orr. I'm a member of the uh, congregation here at uh, 10 o'clock. Uh, why don't uh, we pray as we look at God's word uh, together? <clears throat> Our Father, we thank you for uh, your word, and we thank you, as we've just read, uh, that your word uh, makes us wise, it gives joy to our hearts, and it gives light to our eyes. And we pray that that would be true this morning as uh, we look at this psalm uh, together. We ask it for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, this morning we're thinking about the question, uh, hasn't science disproved Christianity? Uh, now, this is a really massive question, so I want to narrow down to the heart of it. And I guess the heart of it is, what is the relationship between science and the Bible? Uh, do they contradict each other? Uh, if we're Christians, do we have to reject science in favor of the Bible? And if we're scientists, do we have to reject the Bible in favor of science? Well, my goal this morning is to convince you, if you're a Christian person, that God's Word 
uh, the Bible is reliable, that it is a true account of the universe, and so it's not contradicted by good science. So if you like, I'm going to concentrate on the Bible end of the issue rather than the science end, though we'll talk about different scientific uh, questions as we go. My hope and prayer is that all of us who are Christians uh, will walk away this morning with a firmer confidence in the authority and trustworthiness of Scripture and a clearer understanding of the relationship between the Bible and science. Uh, if you have specific scientific questions uh, that come out of this talk, there's some uh, really uh, great resources uh, on the internet, uh, talks by people like John Lennox, an Oxford uh, professor, uh, Andrew Satch, uh, which are much more weighted uh, on the science end of things and will give you details of equations which show how amazing the world is and how unlikely that it came into being uh, by chance. Uh, the chapter in the book that we're working through as a church, uh, Rebecca McLaughlin's Confronting Christianity, uh, also has a really helpful summary of some of the scientific uh, issues related uh, to this question. But I want us to concentrate this morning on the passage uh, that Felicity read for us, because I think it is one of the most helpful places in Scripture uh, for thinking about how we understand the world, and so thinking about the relationship between the Bible and science. As we look at Psalm 19, uh, we see five things about the relationship between the Bible and science. And uh, first, and perhaps most surprisingly, we see that the Bible is the foundation for modern science. The Bible is the foundation for modern science. And I think there should be slides, uh, Roberta, if that's, yeah. So the Bible is the foundation for modern science. And then the next slide, if, uh, if you don't have a Bible in front of you, uh, gives the text of uh, verses one to four. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Uh, David starts uh, this psalm with this wonderful celebration of the fact that the universe, even in all its fallenness and brokenness, reveals the glory of God. And then verse two, the skies pour forth speech Night after night, they reveal knowledge. In other words, uh, David in this psalm tells us that, that the universe is something to be studied. It uh, reveals knowledge. It pours forth speech. Now, in the context of this psalm, the knowledge in view is primarily the knowledge of God. And so I guess we can think of two sources of the knowledge of God. Uh, God's word, the Bible, but God's world in creation, God's word and God's world. Uh, theologians distinguish between general revelation in creation and special revelation that we see in the Bible. But the Bible tells us that the world is a source of knowledge about God because God created the world. That's how the Bible begins. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. And this conviction that God created the world was actually the foundation of modern science. 
Now, you might say, hang on, isn't that the opposite of modern science, which says that the universe was created from nothing or from a, a big bang? But actually, if you trace the history of modern science in the West, at least, uh, that really uh, started in the 1600s. And before then, uh, science in the West was very much based on ancient Greek ideas of astronomy and philosophy. And the approach before then was uh, based on a, a philosophical idea of what the universe must be. So for example, the ancient Greeks uh, considered a circle to be perfect. And so they reasoned that planetary orbits must be circular. Uh, so they uh, understood uh, that God or the gods would not have created things that are not perfect. Now the problem is planets don't have circular orbits. They have elliptical orbits. But the Bible tells us that God created the universe, and so he invites us to see not what we think he should have done, but what he actually did do. We don't, in other words, impose our own preconceived ideas of what we expect to find, circular orbits for planets, but we investigate what God actually did do. Uh, the fact that the world was created by God uh, and is how he created it, not how we think he should have created it, uh, that was the foundation of modern Western science. Uh, the early modern scientists were Christians who acted on this conviction. Uh, so people like Robert Boyle, Isaac Newton, Carl Friedrich uh, Gauss, uh, they uh, didn't believe that the Bible and science were in con uh, conflict, but the conviction of Psalm 19, uh, the conviction that the, uh, the kind of creation reveals what God did, that actually drove their scientific endeavor. Uh, so the Bible is the foundation of modern science, but secondly, the Bible is not a scientific textbook. Uh, as the psalm continues, uh, David reflects on the sun. Uh, he does that because he's been speaking about God's glory, and uh, the sun is a, is a picture of God's glory, and it demonstrates God's control over the universe. Uh, so verse 4, in the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. Uh, it is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. Uh, it rises at one end of the heavens, makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Now, what David says here makes total sense from the perspective of someone observing the sun from the earth. You know, the sun moves from one side of the sky to the other. But obviously, we know that the fuller picture uh, that the sun actually orbits the earth. Uh, sorry, the earth orbits the sun. <laughs> the earth orbits the sun. Uh, is this a contradiction? Uh, is the Bible scientifically incorrect at this point? Well, I think that's to ask the wrong question. Uh, the Bible is not a scientific textbook. Uh, David is clearly engaging in poetic license. So verse four, I don't think that David actually thinks that God pitched a tent uh, for the sun. Uh, the fact that he describes the sun as a bridegroom and as a champion uh, show us that he's engaging in poetic description. Uh, to press the Bible in this way for scientific information when it's not offering it is to misread the Bible. 
And actually, this uh, was one of the verses at the center of the debate between Galileo and the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, Robert Bellamine, a, a Roman Catholic cardinal, appealed to this verse to show that Galileo was wrong uh, when Galileo argued that the um, earth orbited around the sun. Uh, but Psalm 19 is not making scientific claims at this point. This is a poetic description of our experience of observing the movement of the sun in the sky. It's not a claim about planetary orbits. Uh, Robert Bellamine and the, the Roman Catholic Church were wrong to oppose Galileo's scientific claims on the basis of this verse. So sometimes, sometimes the tension between the Bible and the science is really a false tension. It's actually because people read the Bible incorrectly. But what do we do when the Bible does seem to be making scientific claims? Like the description of how the universe began in Genesis 1. Or miracles. Uh, modern science is crystal clear. Miracles are impossible. But as Christians, we're equally clear. Jesus did many miracles and was involved in the greatest miracle of all, being raised from the dead. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. But thirdly, uh, the Bible explains the universe in a way that science can't. The Bible explains the universe in a way that science can't. Science is it's important, it's vital. We've just seen that it's biblical. God's Word tells us to study God's world. Without modern science, our lives would be impoverished in so many ways. There's no necessary contradiction between science and Christianity. Uh, the problem comes, as we've just seen, when people read the Bible incorrectly. But the problem also comes when science overreaches in its attempt to explain the world. Science can explain a lot, and science can explain things that the Bible just doesn't comment on. But the Bible explains the universe in a way that science can't. And that's because science at its root is based on the observation of the world. But the Bible, as God's word, is a fuller revelation of himself and his ways. We see the effect uh, reading the Bible has, verse 7, uh, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. You see what God's Word says about itself? It's, it's perfect. It's trustworthy. It makes us wise. It gives joy to our hearts. That's why as Christians we study the Bible, we preach on the Bible, we read the Bible. And as we read the Bible, it explains who God is. It explains who we are. As human beings, we're made in God's image. It explains how God will one day fix this world finally when Jesus uh, returns, none of which science can comment on. Now, that's not to mock or deride science. It's just to say that science cannot answer the ultimate questions that the Bible can. Uh, what happens when you die? Uh, well, science can speculate, but God tells us in his word that all human beings are destined to die once 
and then face judgment. Uh, what is love? Uh, here's one scientific explanation, and I'm not saying that every scientist would take this explanation, but this is one uh, neurologist's explanation of love. Uh, biologically, love is a powerful neurological condition like hunger or thirst, only more permanent. Love involves the brain releasing a whole set of chemicals, pheromines, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and vasopressin. Is there truth there? I'm sure there is. Is it the full picture? Absolutely not. If you reduce love to uh, chemicals and a neurological condition, you, you've dehumanized it. Science can't really explain something as basic to the human existence as love. Uh, the Bible gives us a, a wonderfully fuller and richer uh, uh, answer that you know, love is seeking the good of another. It is, as uh, I think Peter prayed, you know, it's laying down our life um, for our friends. And the Bible gives us, uh, as well, a rationale, uh, an explanation for the existence of the universe. Why does the universe exist? Uh, here's what Paul says. I think it's on the next slide. Thanks, Roberta. Uh, here's what Paul says about the universe uh, the Son, the Lord Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in, in him all things hold together. The universe holds together because of the Lord Jesus. The universe exists because of the Lord Jesus. All things have been created through him and for him. All things hold together in him. Modern science is something I'm so thankful for. I'm not claiming any kind of expertise, but ultimately in terms of penetrating to the fundamental explanation of the universe, we need God's revelation. And he is clear the universe exists to give glory to the Lord Jesus. The Bible explains life and the universe in a way that science can. And that relates to our fourth point. Fourthly, the Bible affirms that all human knowledge is limited. Verse 12, who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, uh, innocent of great transgression. Now again, uh, uh, David is not primarily thinking about uh, scientific knowledge, but he's reflecting on how all of us as human beings are prone to error and sin. And verse 12 is very perceptive. Uh, who can discern their, their own errors? Uh, David reflects that, that often we, we're not aware of our own blind spots, our own errors, our own limitations. And so we can all too easily overreach. And as Christians, we, we can obviously do that as we seek to read God's Word. There are times when we get it wrong, and so we create these false tensions between science and the Bible. But we and others can also do that as we observe the world. We are limited. Scientific theories are always provisional. So Newton's laws of motion seem to be an accurate description of the universe until Einstein showed that they only apply uh, to large masses at low velocities. It's not that Newton was wrong as much as he only gave 
a limited perspective. So what about miracles? Well, just as Newton's laws are limited to to kind of low velocity, large mass, so the uh, scientific principle that miracles do not happen, it's only an approximation. And it's limited by the qualification, except when God does otherwise. This psalm also reminds us that every human being, Christian and non-Christian, is affected by sin. And sin has an effect on our minds. And so all scientific endeavor has to be provisional. And this is especially true of the non-believer who has written God out of the picture. You don't believe in God. You can do good science. Of course you can. But you're unable to truly understand the universe. You can't explain it fully. Your view of the universe is distorted, and so your scientific endeavor will be incomplete. That is why the Christian is in a better position than the non-Christian, even the non-Christian scientist, in terms of understanding ultimate reality. Not because we've worked it out, but because God has told us in his word. Fifthly, the Bible calls us to pursue true knowledge. Uh, David ends ends the uh, the psalm, uh, verse 14. Uh, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Uh, The call of this psalm, the call of the Bible as a whole is to pursue true knowledge. Uh, The meditation of the heart, in other words, to think correctly. True knowledge is knowledge that recognizes who God is, that he is the one who created the universe and that he has created it through and for his son. And so what do we do uh, when uh, the Bible and modern science are in conflict? Well, firstly, we need to think. We need to think. If a scientific claim seems to go against what the Bible says, we need to think. We need to look again at what the Bible says. Maybe we've misunderstood what it says. But maybe, and this has happened, modern science is overreaching and so is incorrect in its analysis. Now at this point, uh, I need to mention, I guess, the elephant in the room, uh, which is evolution. I guess uh, that is the scientific theory that most people think of when they think of the Bible in relation to science. Now, we need to have a whole talk on this. Uh, I'm very happy uh, to chat with you at the end, but there are aspects of evolution that are categorically in conflict with the Bible and so are categorically mistaken. God created the world purposefully. No matter how random it might look now, God created the world purposely. Sin and the fall, I think, can explain a lot of what looks random and chaotic, but it doesn't change the fact that God created the universe with a clear purpose. But there are also aspects of evolutionary theory that many Christians think are compatible with the Bible. Now, as I said, we can't go into the detail, uh, but I think it's simplistic, again, even with evolution, to sort of put the Bible and evolution in an absolute uh, conflict, but that's a talk for another time and for another person. So first, first we need to think. We need to think. But secondly, we need to remember Jesus. We need to remember Jesus. 
I think actually this is the answer to all of the issues we're looking at in this series. We need to remember the Lord Jesus. We need to remember that he was raised from the dead. I think the big tension between the Bible and modern science is not over evolution, but it's over resurrection. If there is no resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and, and Paul even says this in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, if there's no resurrection, then the whole thing is a lie, and we are wasting our time here on Sunday morning. We are wasting our time. But wonderfully, Wonderfully, the Bible affirms and gives evidence for it in the, in the form of eyewitnesses that Jesus did rise from the dead. So when we're faced with doubts, when I've been faced with doubts, I have had doubts, I, I, I come back to Jesus. And I remember that no one else in human history has been raised from the dead. And so no one else in human history can speak with such authority. Jesus himself had a very high view of the scriptures. He described them as God's word. He assured his listeners that they could not be broken. And as Christians, we have faith in Jesus, the one who rose from the dead. We have faith in his words, and so we believe the Bible. We believe it is God's word, and we believe that it gives us a true description of the universe. And so if the Bible and science are in conflict, I should ask myself, could I be wrong in my understanding of the Bible? Does the Bible really say that the sun revolves around the earth? No, actually it doesn't. It's not the Bible that's wrong, it's, it's my interpretation, my understanding. But when science says a man cannot rise from the dead, when science says miracles do not happen, and yet the Bible unambiguously affirms both of these things, at this point I have to say, I believe the Bible. And at this point, science, as good as it is, is unable to give a full explanation and is, in fact, in error. Psalm 19 is a really helpful place to come back to when we want to think about the relationship between the Bible and science because it tells us that science is biblical. It reminds us that God himself invites us to observe the world, to engage with scientific endeavor, and that there should be ultimately no contradiction between the Bible and the science. And science. But it reminds us that the Bible is able to give us a fuller explanation of the universe. And that fuller explanation centers on the person of his son, the Lord Jesus. So read the world read the world, enjoy, investigate, observe, delight in God's good creation. And read the word, enjoy, investigate, observe, delight in God's word. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you uh, for uh, those who have engaged in scientific endeavor. We thank you for the way that we benefit uh, from their uh, uh, efforts. Uh, we thank you of what we've seen in Psalm 19, that uh, creation is uh, a revelation of uh, who you are, and uh, you invite us to study it. But we thank you as well uh, for your word. Uh, we thank you for the fuller revelation that you have given us uh, in uh, your word. And we thank you for pointing us to the Lord Jesus, uh, the one uh, through whom and forth whom all things exist. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. 
Amen.